Well, last week, Paul has addressed the issue that there is no more separation between the Jew and the Gentile, that we are all one. We are all bound to identity in Christ. We were t- he, he talked about embracing suffering. And we really dove into that because embracing suffering is not just any kind of suffering. It's embracing the suffering that comes from obedience. We, I think the church tends to make suffering into a sermon illustration. And some suffering was not brought on by you walking in what Christ wanted you to walk into. Some suffering God does not want you to suffer through. But there's other suffering that comes because we're walking in what we're called to do. I believe pushback in the spirit is a good indication that we're walking in what we're called to do. Uh, I, I, be, I believe that a people coming together and we all know that we, we, we are on a certain page and we're, we're, and we're not at times. I believe that that is something we're having to push through. And sometimes it feels like suffering. I know tonight we came and we had our usual worship practice and all that. And just, be, just being honest with you, it was awful. It, it just, it did not do what it usually does. Usually, you know, we're all excited and yay, the set list. And, and tonight it was just like, it was over. You ever have one of those moments where like you put all this preparation in and at the end of it, you feel like you didn't really accomplish much? But we, we, we go through times and we're trying to walk in new areas and we put all this effort into things and sometimes it just feels like nothing really did anything. But I, I believe that in those times when we have to really anchor deep down in our roots of who God is and say nothing's going to move who we are. The only one that's going to move us forward, backwards, up or down is you, God. And Paul was talking about embracing suffering that comes from walking and calling. Just like Paul was writing this letter from prison. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like prison today. You know, prison today is like a break. <laughs> Free rent, good food, better than the food we eat sometimes. You know, it was, that wasn't like, like it, it wasn't like that back then with Paul. He was in a suffering condition in, in, in prison. He, he, he wasn't in the best of conditions. But he pushed through and he says, I embrace this because what put me here was not me. What put me here was serving Christ. And he talked about in this state all these mysteries being revealed that we would inherit the riches of the Father equipping us to share uh, who he is and what he's planned to do. And today where Paul takes us is talking about unity in the body of Christ. Paul talks about how your identity is in Christ, you are new, and if we understand that we are a new creation, then we've got to do something with this new identity. That if we're fully restored into what we were called to do, we can't just praise God for the restoration, we've got to actually do something with the restoration. And I think one of the biggest hindrances in the church is that people think, I will serve once I get there, when the truth is, when Jesus restored you, you got there. But the only thing that's going to cause you to see the true you is you start walking in what you've got now on the way to a full restorative walk. So Paul starts off Ephesians chapter 4, and he says this in verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Well, I'm just going to stop there. Paul just spent the past three chapters 
talking about what God did for us and how God redeemed us for a true heavenly identity. Remember, who you are is not what you know. You were reborn into the true you that you never experienced. And for the rest of your life, you will be walking into a true heavenly identity. Essentially, that's what a moment of healing is. It's not that you got something you haven't did. It's you walked in the truest form of you that you weren't before. You getting this? When someone has a physical healing, it's not that God says, let me do something new for this person. It's I'm communicating with the person who is fully healed so that the earthly man will get in alignment with their heavenly status. Because in our heavenly status, we've been talking about it, we're perfect, we're righteous, we are spotless, we are everything we are created to be. So life is not about saying, God, let me prove to you that I'm good. What the Christian life is really all about is embracing that he made you good and finding that true version of you the rest of your life. Okay? So Paul starts off. And he says, after he's talking about all these, these chapters about identity, new you, identity, true heavenly identity, he says, now that you know who you are, now that you know who you belong to, live a life worthy of your calling. He says, lead a life that represents what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be. We do not lead a life, a life like this so that God will love us. It's because God loves us, let us leave, lead a life that looks like who we really are. We can't get in this religious mindset of let me earn favor. You are favored, so walk as if you truly believe it. You are whole, walk whole. And if there's anything in your life that comes against you to challenge wholeness, then that is the lie that we are to come against. And who we really are is the righteous creation called by God to be his glory. Did you just say be his glory, Kyle? Yeah, I said be his glory. Not just shine his glory, not just reflect his glory, but we are actually called to be his glory. I want to read Isaiah 43, verses 6 through 7. It says, I will say to the north and the south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. It's such a prophetic word. He says, bring my sons and daughters back I made them for my glory. That word glory in Hebrew comes from a word kabod. And it simply means this. Weight in a figurative sense that is good, honorable, and full of splendor. He says, I made you to, be, to, to, to bear what is good, honorable, and full of splendor. So that when they see you, they see me. Another definition is it's of good reputation and abundance of the things. So if God called us home 
to his family for glory, then we were made for the sole purpose of making the world know how good and honorable and how majestic our God is. And that's not accomplished by good preaching in good church. Because what preaching and teaching is, it's not to attract the lost. God does not create this gifting of teaching to build an organization where we overlook the church so that we can have a really good, cool environment to invite the people who don't know God. That's not what this gift is for. What, what this gift is for is to help you to understand how to bear the way to glory. To break it down in a, in, in a way for you to understand how do I bear the glory of God. The, the, how we accomplish making the world know how majestic he is is simply us bearing his weight. The privilege of looking like him and walking in all of his attributes so the world will see him. We've got to get out of this mindset of let's get people to know God by bringing them to church. This is not created for that. This is created for your equipping so that by the time that you leave here tonight, you have a deeper revelation of how do I bear the weight of glory. Does that make sense? The earth knew of God's glory in Adam. Adam was weighted in glory so much that the earth responded to him, not by the work of his hand, but by a word. God even gave it to him to name everything, right? The earth recognized the authority of God through the weight of Adam's word because when Adam spoke, he bore the weight of glory, which means when Adam spoke, when Adam walked, the earth didn't see a man, the earth saw God. And, and now that we have been redeemed, we can bear the same weight that first Adam lost because of what second Adam, Jesus, got back. And anyone who doesn't believe that essentially is still locked in the curse of Adam that Jesus came to break. What we are called to do is bear a weight of glory that we could not in our sinful state. But we are no longer, I, 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 I am getting sick and tired of the church saying we're sinners saved by grace. I'm not a sinner. I'm a son of God, and sons of God don't sin. Do I deal with issues? Yes, but I am not going to identify as the thing that's been broken. I identify as who I am with my father so that the things that are broken don't stand a chance to catch me. We've got to get out of this, this is how I grew up. Well, you got reborn, so start growing differently. Because once you were reborn, you can't say this is how I was raised because daddy don't raise you like that. Okay? I want to read Psalm 8, 4 through 5 to talk about this a little bit. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? You've made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have already been crowned with glory and honor. We lost that in first Adam, but received it in second Adam. Who's second Adam? Jesus. Jesus. 
So we're crowned with the thing that is the display of Christ in the earth. So essentially, this is what identity is all about. Do you display what you are weighted with or not? You are weighted with the very thing that is the nature of God. So when you start to walk in things that are not of God, you are walking in a lie because that is not what you are crowned to walk in. First Peter tells us we receive a never-ending glory when Jesus returns. Well, why is it never-ending when he returns? Because right now, it ends in a sense that if we don't identify with our true self in Christ. We're crowned with glory, but people may not see what you're crowned with because you get lost in identity. Like when you go to work on Monday morning and someone says the wrong thing and you get lost in your identity. Right? At that moment, this preaching about being humble and gentle and patient just goes right out the door. Right? You're, you're crowned with glory, but many times people never see what you're crowned with. And I, I would say the even greater issue is that when you walk as someone that testifies of Christ and claim the crown of glory, they see a version of you that makes them not want to worship your God. Because the way that Christ is revealed is through his sons and daughters walking in the earth. So if we're going through a season where we don't see miracles, it's not because God didn't choose to pour them out. It's because we are not walking in our truest form. Let me push that a little harder. Two weeks ago, woman in wheelchair gets up after 20 years. We, got, we get reports about cavities disappearing. We get reports about people getting saved. You know what I heard this week? What the human condition will do is start to say, why is it ending? Why is it dropping? Why isn't there something moving? I say we embrace that we are weighted with such a glory that it never stops and that we walk in a true form of us where it's not I wish we could see it again. It's when I bear the weight we will see it again. It's I believe that when I pray into something, the prayer's not wasted because I recognize a seed takes time to grow. But where the church gets wrong is when we start rejecting the idea of seeing the fruit of us bearing glory because we don't see immediate evidence. We've got to embrace this idea that we are weighted with the very thing meant to show everyone who he is. We, we need to embrace this idea that our identity in Christ is not just that you are saved. It's that you are embracing a form of you that the earth does not understand, yet the earth has been groaning for. The scripture says that the earth has been groaning for the sons of man to be revealed. Why? 
Because it's groaning for the voice of authority to submit to. You want to know why we're not seeing hospitals empty? Because sickness doesn't recognize a voice to tell it to go anywhere. And the reason it's not hearing a voice is because we truly don't embrace it ourselves. Do you embrace glory to such a degree that you believe when you walk into a place that the atmosphere shifts because of what comes in with you? Because if we believe that, the way we would handle issues will be different. I believe, I, I didn't believe this years ago, but I'm starting to in probably the last year. I believe when I have got to come into a situation of correction, I am not approaching it as I've got to correct it. I approach it as if I am postured in glory when I walk into the room, that wall of issue will start to break down before I speak a word. And when I speak a word, it's going to confirm the glory that the thing felt when I walked in. Do you feel the same thing, but then it's gone because you say something that doesn't reflect the glory you're weighted in? I'm going somewhere with this, but I'm trying to lay some, some, some groundwork. Is this... Is this making sense? Is this okay? Okay. He says, you were crowned with glory. Now lead a life worthy of the crown. And then Paul writes about what the wearer of this crown looks like. What, is, what does it look like to walk worthy of what you were crowned to do? So he starts saying this in verse 2. Always. When? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. He says, In order to look like the thing you were crowned with, these are the things you've got to display. You are always humble. You are always gentle. You're always patient. You always make allowance for faults. Now here's here's where we get this wrong. We think, let me practice patience so that I can walk in glory backwards. It's let me understand I am crowned with glory so that patience is a fruit bared from my natural state. Or another way to say that might be my new supernatural state that, that, that overwhelms my natural because my natural man is not patient. But if I start to walk in more of my identity in Christ, the things that are not of me will be displayed. You don't get to say things like I'm not a patient person. Because if you are truly a son or daughter, your your natural state is patient and gentle. And every, every mark of anything that's not patient or gentle is contradictory to who you truly are. But what we do is we say, well, that's just not who I am. I would say to you, you really don't know who you are. Because your true self is patient and gentle. It's, there is no such thing as a gift of patience. I I hear Pentecostal, well, I just don't have that gift. It's not a gift. It's an identifier. (laughs) 
Your happiness in life should not be circumstantial. Your happiness in life should not be circumstantial. Your peace in life should not be circumstantial. Because you are crowned with glory, and those crowned with glory look like peace. Well, Kyle, you don't know my situation. I dare you to say your situation will move when it sees a version of you that it cannot stand. There are certain things that don't like peace, and they try, it tries to fight with peace all day long. But when it sees that it can't move peace, it will stop trying to move peace. That, that's warfare. That's saying that I will not be moved. Don't say you won't be moved, but your peace is moved every other day. Is this too much? You don't get to have a moment. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I, I just need a moment. Right? I, I need a day off. And it's not that you need a day off for rest. You, some people say they need a day off from their crown. Like, when, when you, I hear pastors sometimes say this. Not, not, not anyone around here, if, 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 if you're... If you know people, this is just an example. <laughs> I hear pastors say this sometimes, like, I need a break from ministry. You don't get to have a break from ministry when you understand, understand ministry as something that is your identity. Because I can tell you right now, I never want to break from what I do. I'm too in love with the person that I'm becoming. Because it's not the person I used to be. You don't get to have a moment to get in your flesh. You put your flesh under submission to your crown. Our happiness should not be affected by conditions. You put the condition under the feet of your joy that flows from your identity in the Father. Do not take a back seat to the authority of someone's attitude or to a situation. When someone comes at you with an attitude or a situation, you don't take a back seat by responding to it in an old self form. You walk in humility and gentleness so that the, someone else's attitude or situation bows to your glory instead of you bowing to that false form of glory. Well, they just know how to push my buttons. You shouldn't have any buttons. Well, you don't know me. Apparently, you don't either. Because the new you has no buttons to push. Embracing glory. Understanding that the things you feel are not always your natural. That's why the scripture says many times to be renewed by the transforming of your mind, renewing your mind. Don't be deceived by the heart because it can be the most deceitful thing you've got. Why? Because those things are evil, easily moved by circumstances and situations where we, we should move those things with what we're crowned in. Offense will happen. Wrongs will occur. 
but we cannot let it work against the purpose of our calling. People get offended because they choose to come into agreement with something that their crown for glory self should never come into agreement with. Because if you had patience and gentleness flowing, then you can't be offended because you look at them with patience and gentleness. It's, it's too hard. Too, but sometimes you need the, some, you know, we, we've been deep for a long time. Sometimes you need some practical stuff. But what I want you to understand in this practical stuff, it's not start doing it. It's embrace what you're crowned with. Because if you're crowned with glory, then you understand there's a version of you that looks like this, and anything that does not look like this is a lie. You don't get to embrace a life of no patience because of how mom and dad raised you. Because who you are in Christ is not based off of any condition except his. And you're pure. And you're righteous. It, it says make allowance for faults. You've got to prepare for the truth that we're going to get it wrong. But we've got to be humble enough to take correction and forgive for the sake of unity. There's been many times where people have come to me and said, hey, please don't get upset or offended, but can I talk to you about something? Now, the me four years ago, I would say, yeah, let's talk, but I'd be ready to fight. <laughs> the me now understands if I am truly saying that this position is not above anyone in the church, then who am I not to take a correction from a brother or sister? Hashtag issues with modern church. We get prideful. We, get ex we, we, get, we start exalting ourselves above. And before you know it, we can't take anything from anyone. Paul says, make every effort to keep yourselves unified. Meaning the truth is that we are already unified. The biggest issue in the church of today is unity. Our effort is to make sure that we live out the truth that we're unified, not make unity. It says keep yourselves united. Walk in the heavenly status that you are united and let every action flow from what that is. But if we start striving to build unity, that's when you start building unity on things other than him. We don't create unity, we effort to keep unity. A house not unified is, is essentially lazy at keeping. We don't need to find a way to unify the racial conflict. We need to keep what he unified. It's not, I wish we could all be one. It's, we are. Make every effort to keep it. We don't need to find ways to unify the church. We need to figure out that we are to keep it. We're to walk in what only he could do. He's the one that unified the Jew and the Gentile. He's the one that said there is no more us and them. 
He unified it. We keep it like that. Unity is not created. Division is created due to a lack of keeping. How do I keep? Put on patience, humility, and gentleness. Is this okay? Well, Kyle, that's not who I am. I don't have patience. I don't have humility. I don't have gentleness. Then you just agree what Christ did for you was illegitimate. I'm not a patient person. You just said that what Christ did for you was illegitimate because you cannot put on the thing that he actually crowned you with. If you're of him, these things are things you should look like and to look like anything different is putting on an old defeated self. Well, Kyle, that's easy to say, but I walk in things that are not of Christ all the time. So what do I do? That's a degree to see where your relationship is with him. Because I will put forth to you, it's this simple. When you're immersed in him, there is no room for anything but to look like him. You know the principle of sowing and reaping? You reap what you sow? It's essentially this. You, you come from What, what you plant in the ground is going to grow. When you, if you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. If you don't, call me. <laughs> when people grow up, they become many times like their parents. Because mom and dad, you were the soil for what they deposited into. That's how generational curses flow. You become what is put in you. So if you had the same relationship with him that you had with your work, that you had with your parents, that you had with any, when you put more relationship into him by the laws, the governing dynamics of this world that he created, what he puts in you, you will become. So if you are not becoming, there is no pull for him to put in. Like it or not. Which is kind of a scary truth because y'all are thinking of people right now. <laughs> oh, they, they don't look like this and this. No, as, as far as it depends on you. You focus on where you're at. Because if, you're not, if your mind just went to someone else, that shows you where you got to go deeper. Because where your mind went to, we should be treating that with patience and humility. What's humility? I've got a lot to work on myself. Let me posture before him so it overflows into the person that I know needs work. Because they experience the weight of glory. Right? Look at verse 4. <laughs> verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. I'm just going to read that one again. There's one body, one spirit, called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. What unity are we keeping? The truth that we share in a common body, a common spirit, a common hope under a common God, faith, and baptism. No matter who you are or where you are, we all have same access. Paul is driving this home. We're one. We're identified with him. One, one, one. Wait a minute. It says one baptism. I thought you got baptized in water and there's a baptism in the spirit. Didn't Paul get filled up over and over again? One baptism simply means we all have one same access entry point. There's baptism by water public testimony, there's baptism by Holy Spirit. You're totally immersed in him. But it's all the same God, same access point, same way. What is the way? Lord, here I am. That's it. That's where we have overcomplicated keeping unity. Well, I want those gifts. I want to become like that. I want to walk in. How do I? Get immersed in relationship with the one who has already crowned you and keep it like that. All same God, same access point, but it's personal for you. We're keeping what is true. We are all equal co-heir children of God. Equal co-heir children of God. Is this making sense? Why do we need to put this out that we're one and that we're equal and that we're co-heir? It teaches you how to steward jealousy. We share in the same God who blessed the person you're jealous of that you wish you had that blessing. Same God, same way, same access point. So there's a truth that if he's got a blessing for them, He's got a blessing for you, so you, do, you go discovered it by stewarding jealousy with obedience. You don't get to sit in jealous manner when obedience is going to bring you into the thing. I will go a step further to say this. It's not I'm seeking a blessing. It's understanding that crown with glory means that God has put a status of blessing on your life. So that all things touched by your hand produces the fruit of your status, being blessed. So that if I understand I'm blessed, when I manage my money, it's going to be blessed because I'm managing it. Stop praying for money. Because you ever heard of keys in the kingdom? You know what the key to more money is? Giving, tithing, managing, and stewarding. You don't need to pray about it. Turn the key of what he's told, how he told you to manage it. God, give me more. That's not going to work if you don't start turning keys. God, give me more friends. Well, judging by how you're looking, he can send them all day long. But if you don't start walking into the true version of gentle and patient and honorable, the you that you're in is going to repel whoever he sends. God, give me more friends. I'm not a people person. 
The true you is. Because you were created for unity with the body. I'm basically trying to take away all the excuses tonight. (laughs) You are, you get a status of blessing put on you. Genesis 12, 2 says it like this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be, be a blessing. You are, another way to say it, you are blessed to be a blessing. Shifting from what do I get to what do I get to do. When you take the mindset of you are blessed to be, jealousy has no room because your eyes shift from what you wish you had to what you want to pour out. Because you are pouring out from a true status of riches in heaven, which, where, which is where you're actually seated. Where you are seated with Christ in heavenly places says you have all you need. You are blessed. Everything you need, you already have. So there's no room for envy because if, if there's something they had that you feel like you need, it's somewhere. And it's already on you. And what we do is say, God, when are you going to pour it out? And God's like, when are you going to start turning the key? Well, God, I don't know what the key looks like. That's because you never talked to me. What are the keys of the kingdom? Walking into who you are. When you walk into who you are, and there's a certain way that the heavenly man operates, you will have no need. The false you embraces, I don't have to tithe. The false you embraces, I don't have to serve. The false you embraces, I don't need anyone to to do this, to to do anything. The false you embraces, it's me against the world. That is not heavenly you. We were all created members to be of one body. And sometimes the way you find out what your purpose for is by serving what their purpose for so you can find out how you add or not. I'll say it like this. I'm not sure if this is right medically, so just forgive me, but the knee, it connects whatever this bone is, you know, the, the, the hip bone to the, the thigh Bone to the that the leg, but what, what's the y'all know the stuff? Femur. Femur, tibia, speaking in tongues. You got a you got a joint. You got a knee that that connects the two. It has the knee. It has it has the purpose of connecting this to that, and serves no other. But if you're a knee and you never post yourself under to serve. This bone, you'll never find out that that's what you're postured to do. You sit in this alone state of, I don't want to do anything. I want to be alone. I can't serve anyone. I don't know where I'm supposed to. You don't know what you're supposed to do because you're not trying to connect to anything to find out what your purpose is. You want to know how I found out I was supposed to be in ministry? I started serving under someone in ministry. 
it's not that hard. And the beauty of it is in that, you might serve under something and find out, definitely not my call. I don't know where I got to this. When you embrace the glory of I am blessed to be, you start to steward a state of being rather than chase a reward. Now, Paul just told us all this stuff. We're one, we're the same, he qualifies us. But then there's a however. He says this in verse 7. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, other versions say the phrase uh, through the generosity of Christ is a little different. It says, according to the measure of Christ's gift. The basis for God distributing gifts to all of us are all according to one thing, the gift of Christ. Which simply means this. All the gifts are free and unmerited. You don't earn gifts. They're gifts. No one... No one deserves a gift and no one earns a gift. It's through his grace that you get an undeserving gift for a purpose. To accomplish his work of him getting glory in all things, including your life. He doesn't get glory when we make him look like something he's not. And that is essentially our purpose. Letting the earth and letting people know what he looks like. What do you mean earth and people? We are putting things into order by filling it with the knowledge of who he is. It's for people and it's for the world. There is a maturing and understanding the when and hows of the gifts, but we all have gifts to make everything known that he is Lord. That's why Jesus as a man showed us what talking to storms looks like. Because when you walk in what you're waited for, it's not just man who knows his glory, but even the elements of earth to know his glory through the ones created to put it into order. Why will all the natural disasters stop when he fully restores? Because it's not just him. It's fully restoring us to full order. That even the earth will be subject to us as it was in Genesis. Christians all receive the same ability to walk in gifts of God. Gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we have not embraced the glory that's in us. That the same power that raised Christ from the grave is in us. The same power the same, not a, not a version, the same. 
I may be getting too crazy and cool. But I truly believe, and anyone who hears this, copy me on it, we're going to see dead people raise. I believe that we're going to see hurricanes turn around. And I'm not talking about like everyone's been praying for a while and it happened to shift. I'm talking about we speak and it goes in the moment. I'm talking like real. I fully believe that the next time a tornado comes to Bloomingdale or Pooler, I believe we can get to a place where we walk in authority to look at the tornado and said, turn yourself around. I really believe that. Because that is the weight of glory we are created to bear. We talk about all these miracles in the Bible. We, 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 we see crazy things about all these healings. And the church has adopted this false idea of you got to have faith to get healed. No, you got to have faith to release healing. Because everyone that got healed, they didn't even believe who he was. Christ just spoke to the thing regardless of their belief. You know, you know, when Jesus was getting arrested, he didn't look at the guy who just got his ear cut off and said, hey man, do you believe me now? Because if you do, I'll, I'll heal your ear. <laughs> he just reached out. I believe the church can walk into such an authority that stuff shifts because of what we're weighted in and it doesn't mean we have to get credit for it. But we're putting things into order. We have to embrace the glory that's in us. And we're going to look stupid, and we're going to look wrong, and people are going to say that is not for today. But if you believe in what Scripture says, that the same, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us, then it can't be anything less than same. But we can't belittle them because they can't believe it. It's our responsibility to influence anything by us receiving and walking in what we're waited for. The thing that will hurt the church the most is when there are believers who don't believe in what I'm talking about is if we start posturing ourselves above them. Because that is not humility and pride don't look like glory. Look at verses 8 through 10. That's why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe, not just people, the entire universe with himself. The whole point of coming here and ascending was to fill the universe with him. Paul's actually quoting uh, uh, something written in Psalm 68 when it's talking about the ascension and the descension. And that, that phrase, lower parts of the world, is actually more so translated parts of the earth. You see, this particular passage is not talking about Jesus going into, like, hell. I don't, I don't believe that. Do I believe he went to hell? Yeah, 
I do. If you don't, we'll talk. I'll tell you why you're wrong. But this is talking about going to the lowly parts of the earth. This is talking about descending from heaven to earth in order to go back up and fill the earth after the debt of sin was measured and paid for. He says, I went up higher than the heavens to fill everything, the heavens, the earth, people, with me. He has filled the earth with his glory, and embracing glory includes the understanding that to embrace all that he is, we've got to accept the gifts that were given for us to operate and look like him. Because when we operate and look like him, the earth and everything in it will learn to obey the gift that is Christ in the earth through a redeemed people. We're not going to see everything under submission to Christ if we don't understand who we are in Christ. Because the earth is not just going to submit to God. It's obviously not. It's still in chaos. It wants to submit to Christ in the earth, which was the original point of mankind. Basically, God said, I've made something great. Now let me create a governor for it. And he called it man. Why is the earth in chaos? It can't find no governors. Why is your relationship going wrong? It's not being governed appropriately under Christ. Hmm. And then after Paul says all this, is this, okay. After Paul says all this, he says, I want to talk to you about gifts that I want to give to my church. Not all the gifts right now. He says, I want to talk about the ones I gave to the church. Because this whole message started out by saying, uh, talking about we've got to unify. So Paul is going through all this stuff about unity and glory and honor and humility and gentleness and all this thing to, to point to this. We, we all get the gifts, but let me talk to you about the ones that are going to keep this thing unified. That are going to keep this thing connected. And then he lists what we call fivefold gifts. Some would argue that it's actually four. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But this is what Paul says in verse 11. He says, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. These are the gifts that Jesus gave to the church to do his work and build the body. You cannot have true unity unless these gifts are at work building and I would let me rephrase that, keeping what he built. It can't happen. A body of people cannot look like him fully unless they embrace all gifts that are created to help us look like him. 
Now, it's interesting because we always refer to this as fivefold ministry. Here's the reason why some people would argue it's fourfold. It, pastors and teachers is actually one Greek word. And if you look at qualifications of pastors in Timothy, it says that a pastor, one of the qualifications is that he's able to teach. So can I, can I go through these? Do we have time? Okay. Apostles. The first 12 built the foundations for the church under the, the leading of Christ. Basically, this gift is the pioneering, the, the vision for the new, the leading the people. The, 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 the gift of going into a new area. It comes from a, a word actually meant the, the first ship in a fleet of ships. The gift of the apostle for the church is, I don't want you to just stay as you are. I want to take you to a new place. The gift that takes you to a new place is the gift of apostle. And I don't believe there's just one apostle in a house. It's a gift, not a position. We're not trying to create five employment jobs. These are five gifts for the church. You ever seen a church where they haven't changed in 50 years? It's because they're under a gift that is not meant to take anywhere new. So we've got to stop condemning them because there's not a gift leading them for new just because we, put, we, we have the American title of pastor of the church. A true pastor cannot take a people to new places. It shepherds them. It cares for them. That's, that's a shepherd. That's a pastor. They walk around in the fields they know. Y'all, some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> the apostolic gift is to take somewhere new. There, there's a gift for it. The prophetic gift. Sure, it's encouragement and, and correction and it's confirmation, but it's also, they have a special ability to see what God wants to do. How does the, the Bible says that built on the foundations of apostles and prophets. A true apostolic function cannot operate without a prophetic function. And the issue in most churches that believe in this is that they allow the prophetic function. A lot of people who operate in prophetic functions think if the apostolic function doesn't listen to prophetic, then the prophetic is being thrown to the side. But how it works if someone has a prophetic functioning, and let's say someone has an apostolic, so let's say I'm apostolic, and let's say that, 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 that someone else is prophetic. They're going to hear something from God. And they're going to tell me, hey, this is what God's showing me. That responsibility is now put on me to say, what am I going to do with it? Not discarding it, but what am I going to do with it? And sometimes, let's move on it now. Sometimes it's 10 years later. But if you are crowned with glory, then those operating prophetic have the patience for the 10 years later. And if you embrace the patience 
then you understand how I don't move on your prophetic word does not create a church split. Evangelist, the heart and focus for those who don't know God. It's a gift. You want to know how we can keep unity in the church? There are houses called evangelical houses. So number one, don't expect an evangelical house to be great at pastoring if all they are is evangelical. Because their goal is not really and truthfully, let's care for the needs. Their goal is, let's find the lost. There are other churches who may embrace more of a pastoral anointing, shepherding. So don't expect them to go anywhere new and don't expect them to bring in lost people. Because it's care for the people. There are other houses who may be all about apostolic and prophetic. They're trying to go and they're hearing the voice of God, but everyone's miserable and they don't ever get anyone saved. And then there's the hope of a house that says, let it all operate. The vision for this house is to see people come alive in Christ. That word Christ simply means anointing. To see you come alive in what you're anointed for. We're not there yet, but we are going to be one of the houses that operates in all. But we cannot get there if we don't embrace glory. Because we'll start posturing one gift over the other. Well, I, I, I just, I, I can't move in the spirit like he or she does. It may not be what you're anointed for, and that's okay. Because if they're anointed for it and you're connected to them, then we are the display of that glory. It's, it's, it's not like, I'm going to pick on Roxana. It's not, she's got a great prophetic gift. I wish I could flow. If all you could flow in was acts of service, it's because of that gift that's taking us into the service that you're great at serving in. It's not one over the other. Is we keep the unity of all of it by putting on humility, patience, gentleness. It's how you can make your work environments greater. Just because they have the same position as you doesn't mean they were created for it. Help steer them into what they're great at and th that may mean you risk them getting the job that you wish you had. Because you're not trying to get them to become something they're not. You're pouring into what they're created to be. And it may be that they're in that position. It may be that it may take them to another one. But are you humble enough to embrace that success? And when we don't embrace it, we get this jealousy and everything starts to split. Church splits. Well, I'm the pastor. I'm the one that makes the calls. Well, I, I'm a church member. I, I, I pay your salary. Right? It, 
We get all this I, 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 and we haven't embraced keep the unity, embrace glory. I'm probably not going to finish this. Is that okay if I, if I finish it next week? See, y'all are supposed to say no, keep going. But that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, no, no, I'll, I'll finish it up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the primary purpose of the church is not just to save the lost, but to perfect people for the work of Christ in the earth, which includes saving the lost. But it's so much more than that. So I've given you all these gifts to keep unified in one purpose, embracing the glory of Christ in the earth so that everyone will come to know him. And, and I'm only going to go into the next four verses tonight, but look at what Paul says in verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to full and complete standard of Christ. Pause right there. Do y'all believe that we have reached everything we were created to be mature in the Lord? Then the gifts are still for today. And you, I'm not telling you that to put that on a piece of paper and say, told you. Because then you've just totally thrown away the whole point of keeping unity. You know what? If apostolic is taking us to a new place, and we're called to go to a new place, then we have to understand that we are going to go to a new place that others in Savannah have not gone to yet which means they will criticize every step of the way because it doesn't look like anything they come to know is true. That's why we have to bind ourselves together in love and humility because I'll get it wrong, you're going to get it wrong, other people are going to get it wrong, and we've got to make sure that as long as we are moving together under his direction, things are going to come against us. We're going to be called crazy. We're going to be called false. People will see miracles and question it. We, ha we cannot look down them on it. Why? Because we're going to something new that they have not. But if we do it correctly, one day where we dared to go, many will embrace. And it won't be for our credit or our glory. I am totally okay with forever being a no-name hidden behind a pawn shop and liquor store church that broke stuff in the heavens for others to experience and no one knows who broke it. That's the kind of relentless church that I want to lead. We don't care about credit. We just want heaven to open up and reign over the whole flipping area. They will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so, cle so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. It says that we have got to go into maturity and intimacy. Maturity, knowledge of God. Intimacy, faith to move from a posture of relationship. Immaturity is your influence by anything. So he says, I'm going to give you gifts to keep you influenced by one thing. 
it says measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We don't grow in knowing of him. We grow in looking like him. So when miracles start to break, it should not be a season. It should flow from identity maturing. Because the more we look like him, the more things we'll see that comes up under who he is. Like cancer disappearing. Like when people are taken way too early in life because of a drunk driver or you name the condition, they'll raise up. Because it's coming from a posture of flowing from who he is, not who we are. Because we cannot raise the dead. But Christ in us can. We'll speak truth and love to those in Christ and the lost. And, and to speak truth. <laughs> speaking truth to steady moving waters. Here's what I mean by that. The words in the scripture are, you will no longer be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. Tossed and blown in the Greek are words to describe the storms in the Sea of Galilee. The waters are raging. You know what an immature church looks like? Movement without growth. Doing a lot of things. The waters are raging. Oh, we're serving this, and we're serving that, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and we got this class, and we got this class, and no one has moved past Jesus saves us. That's a lot of movement, but no order. A mature church does not value movement over growth. Maturity is we're going to grow in our understanding of who we are in him and let movement come from our posture. Not just do a lot of stuff to convince of maturity. True maturity is looking more like him and nothing else. And when you look like him, all of the chaos has to submit. Now, that scares us because we've had these conversations where my life is just so chaotic. Define the chaos. Because the more you look like him, your life should be in order. Well, you don't know my circumstances. I don't have to. The more you look like him, it will be put into order. That, that, that one statement has probably freed up someone in here. Last, last scripture for tonight. Now, I, I hope this, this has done something. No, forget that. I know it has. It's scripture. Verse 16. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
Another evidence of maturity is, or, or evidence that a house has embraced glory. Every part and joint in the body provides what it can do for one effort, helping each other grow. That's why the scripture teaches we have to lead bottom up, not top down. It says each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow. If you are in a position of what the American church has called pastor, okay, my position, the lead guy won't grow if he doesn't understand you walking in your gift is how I grow. Because it says as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. The more I'm invested into you walking in your purpose, the more my purpose will come to light. The more, the, when you start to walk in who you are, it will put a demand on my gift. I get a lot of compliments about teaching gift. When everyone starts to walk in what they're called to do, that teaching gift will increase. And a lot of time, gifts don't increase because we don't understand that the increase has to do with watching others walk in their purpose. That's why he says, embrace glory and clothe yourself in humility. What is humility? I want to see you grow into you before I grow into me. Because I understand when you grow into you, it will cause me to grow. Well, I'm just not growing. Well, you're not serving. Well, I just don't understand. Why do I have to serve? Because if you will get wrapped up in seeing them operate, the natural flow is you'll start to. The rest of the body serves the need of the rest through gifts. And when we start to do that, we operate as one body moving rather than being tossed to and fro like a sea of waves. We're meant to move mountains, not run in place. And I fear that that's kind of the church of today. We run in place. If I may be even bold, we're starting to move a little bit, but we've done a lot of running in place. I'm tired of running in place. Is that okay to be humble enough to say that this house has done a lot of running in place? I'm, I'm ready to move to the next thing. Like, God, what do you want? You know how we're going to move to the next thing? You start to walk in what your purpose to do. Embracing glory is understanding that we are intended for something. We're intended to walk in a certain way. We're intended to conduct ourselves in a certain way. We are intended to look like Christ. I close with the scripture, John 13, 33 through 35. Dear children, I will be with you only a little, long, a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He loved us enough to die for us, but you can't die to yourself for the sake of unity. He loved us so much to heal, and there are people who still think that is not for today. He loved us enough to toss tables, and the church has learned how to be silent. You see, when I read love each other just as I love you, you should love each other, it's not just let's love one another. 
Love's an action. What does love mean? I want to see you walk in what you're called to do. What does love one another mean? I, I love you enough to tell you that you're getting this wrong and you're embracing glory so that you will humble yourself to take in the correction. Tossing the tables in the lives of people like, hey, this is what you're doing, but this is not what Christ looks like. Well, that's not my business. I shouldn't speak into them. That's the issue. It should be your business because you, you're unified. That's not, my, that's not my place. If you're unified, it's your place. Well, I don't want to offend them. Offense is their choice, not yours. The key is doing it in a posture of love. Well, how do you go in a posture of love? I am immersed in wanting to see them grow and walk in what they're called to do. Not to beat them down for what they're currently doing, but to help point them to where they want. Love is so much more than just let's have a good time. Love is, love is a people have need to embrace glory. Love is we're keeping unity. And we're not letting anything get in the way. Think about the church when Ananias and Sapphira came in and they dropped down dead because they were lying. Why? Because there was such a level of unity kept. Are we there yet? No. I imagine people walk in this church all the time that have agendas. I, I, I want to be in such unity one day that agendas can't breathe. <laughs> Embracing glory. We're purpose for something. Reveal him to all the earth. We got to embrace all God's glory in order to give him glory. So that when people look on us, they get wrapped in the splendor of who he is. That their eyes won't fix on us, they will fix on who he is because all they see is him in us. That's embracing glory. That's understanding the purpose of the gifts. That's understanding the need for humility and patience and gentleness and all the things we talked about tonight. He says, I'm putting glory on you. Now embrace it. Walk in it. When we do that, this area has no choice but to change. There's such a reputation in Savannah and the surrounding areas. We're not going to change it by talking about the reputation. We're not going to change it with another rally in the park. We're not going to change it with another praise and worship session in downtown Savannah. You, 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 want, you want me to prove to you why it won't? Because it hasn't. What's going to change it? Embracing glory. Understanding who we are. Understanding our authority. Understanding how we are postured in our heavenly man. Understanding that we do need each other. Understanding that we're created for each other. And understanding that we don't have to accept anything less than heaven. So let's walk out thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's embrace glory and say this area is heaven on earth. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Can we give God praise tonight? Come on.